Warning, the podcast you're about to listen to may contain graphic descriptions of violent assaults, murder, and adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Murder Police Podcast. Hello, I am Wendy. And I'm David. And we are the Murder Police Podcast. Well, welcome aboard, listeners. We thought we'd stop and get everybody caught up to date a little bit. We're closing out season two, and we're starting to get things ready for season three and the seasons that are going to follow. And we thought we'd recap with everybody. And more importantly, we'd like to give everybody a huge thanks for the listeners that we have that have got us where we are and where we're going. We're extremely grateful and the movement we've had on this thing is completely unexpected yeah i never expected when we had the idea or you had the idea to do this podcast that we would have as many dedicated listeners as we have today and we are really grateful for that so thank you for tuning in every time we drop a new episode and listening to us that that does mean a lot to us and it means a lot to spread the uh, stories of these victims that uh that are the reason that we're here today Yeah, I agree. The following is incredible. And I think what really took me by surprise was how global it is. I know we have listeners here in the United States, and there's a lot of logic to that. But And, of course, Great Britain, I guess I could see that, too. But holy cow, we are all over the place. Um, Of course, Ireland, which has a special place in my heart, and people need to message us because that's where my family came from a long, long time ago. But then things like India, Spain, Kazakhstan, the Netherlands, France, Ukraine, and Denmark. And what are some of the other countries you've seen so far? Oh, Lord, um, Zimbabwe, uh, Belgium even, and uh, South Africa, and Egypt, Indonesia, uh, India, Mexico. And um, I know my dedicated friend down in Jamaica, Greg Connell. Thank you for listening, Greg. And I hope you're sharing with your friends. Yeah, for sure. Greg's a good guy, and I'm sure he's he's helping. And that's that's one thing, too, we found is that I think most of our growth can be attributed to people simply recommending this to other people. So we're super grateful for that. Super grateful. But inside the United States, too, is if we start looking at the different cities and, and, you know, and I've got a list of cities here we're looking at. Not all of them are in the United States. For example, you know, we know that Blackheath and uh, places like that, Dublin, and those are not in the United States. But for for wow, I, you know, I keep looking at Atlanta, Georgia. How we how we got into Atlanta and the followership we have in Atlanta is incredible. Yeah, I'm surprised it's it's much larger than it is here in our hometown of Lexington, which is where the majority of our retired sergeants and uh, officers have come from, and you especially right here in Lexington. But surprisingly, Atlanta is one of our biggest listeners. So thank you, Atlanta. Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, here in Kentucky, you know, the the good, strong followership we've got in places like Richmond and Frankfurt and uh, right uh, Nicholasville, where we happen to be coming from live from Nick Vegas and Georgetown, St. Matthews, just outside Louisville, all kinds of neat places. So I think that's one of the things that's neat is that the amount of people that are listening from all over. You know, I found out just about two weeks ago, too, that there's actually a a uh, person that teaches criminal justice in high school in the area, and she uses the Murder Police podcast as an assignment when they're in semester, which just blew my mind. And we're very grateful 
very grateful for that too. Yeah, listen up, students. We'll help you get an A on your next exam. <laughs> exactly. We can only contact hope. us. Well, I'll tell you, you know, when we started out and you know, we've we've divided these up into about a dozen or so per season just for listening purposes and and to break. And whenever we move into another season, there's maybe a small twist. I know we've done some different intro things and whatever. But just for management purposes, we're going to start into uh, three. But where we've been since we started, just some of the cases. For example, uh, if if you're listening to this and you have not downloaded all of our material, go back to these beginning ones. Don't skip episodes because I'm going to tell you there's so much that happens in the chronology you don't want to miss. But tell us about the first thing we ever came out of the, of the box with. Well, the first one, you know, is my all-time favorite, always has been. I've been intrigued by this case since I heard about it. And strangely, it was a case that you started out working alongside retired detective Chris Schoonover, and that was the murder of Haley McCone right here in Lexington, 13-year-old little girl murdered by serial killer Tommy Lynn Sells, who since has been executed out of Texas, but that one is a three-part series, and that was our very first one. And and I think Chris knocked it out of the park, and people hear from Chris more than once on this show, obviously, but the whole idea that how much time it took, and you know what's neat is this, like several others, have been covered in books and on documentaries and things, but I can honestly tell people that if you listen to it when we cover it, we're going to offer you more details because everything else is based on commercial time and editing and production and everything. But when you listen to an investigator talk about what it's like to do it, the Haley McCone case was a, a great one to come out of the gate with. You know, we moved quickly onto that one to the murder of Trent Tejero. And that, again, was here in Lexington. And uh, retired Sergeant Dan Gibbons covered that. Dan is one of a handful of true mentors that I had at the police department. He actually was instrumental in me starting in homicide many years ago. And the Trent DeGiro case is extremely tragic and sad. You're talking about a walk-on football player from University of Kentucky that was brutally murdered, sniper style, by a, a young man. And I'll let the listeners get those two episodes under their belt to find out what the results of that were. But uh, Dan did a great job of taking people through what it was exactly like to see the investigation, but he also brings it in from a supervisor's point of view, which is a little different to learn what the supervisor does in a homicide investigation. Yeah, that that was a very sad case. And we've seen his parents at a couple of events that we've attended over the years. And, and they are really, really great people. And that was such a tragic loss. And all of our victims are tragic losses to all their families. But you're right, Dan really uh, took the listeners through that step by step and did a wonderful job. We moved on from from the murder of Trent DeGiro right on to Michael Turpin. And this was another one that have books out about it. And it was also done by retired assistant chief Fran Root, who did an exceptional job of that. Fran really took it through from the minute he got that call all the way through to prosecution. And that was a horrendous murder of Michael Turpin by his wife and two other accomplices. And please listen to that. That's a two-part series. And uh, Michael was brutally murdered in his apartment and subsequently thrown into a lake to be found by employees the morning after he was murdered. Yeah. And uh, another thing, too, on the Michael Turpin case is that uh, there's another podcast locally that we've partnered with recently, the Lexington Podcast. It's a brother and sister duo, Erica and Jonathan. And uh, at the time that we're recording this, they're still producing episodes on the Michael Turpin. Well-researched. At uh, would, I would recommend 
Of course, we recommended everybody hearing ours, but I have to tell people to jump over and listen to the Lexington podcast version of that. And their material is fantastic. You know, from from Michael Turpin, we moved on to another interesting case in the murder of Amanda Ross. And this was difficult in a lot of different ways because this was the first domestic violence murder that we covered. And those are extremely painful because the entire time somebody's going through a domestic violence uh, event, which can last a long time from the time you identify a perpetrator to hopefully prosecution. This is one of those cases. And that was covered excellently by retired Sergeant Todd Eddings. And he, again, he takes the listener through what it's like to work with these, uh, what it's like to get protective orders. And, and unfortunately, sometimes when those protective orders just aren't enough. Yeah. And the surprising thing about that is we had a former governor by the name of Louis B. Nunn and his son, Steve, who was a senator for Kentucky, is actually who murdered M- Amanda. And they were engaged and had been on again, off again. And and so that was a high-profile case for Kentucky, not that our other cases aren't, but just someone of such significance. And the crazy thing about that case was Steve Nunn had uh, gone to bat to write some different bills passing for domestic violence and he himself broke his own bill that he wrote. So there was some irony in that, I found. Yeah, and for sure, when you listen to Todd talk about this, you said it was a high-profile case. I'm going to tell you now that when, it, as an investigator, if you get a case that has that kind of profile, the pressure is on. And pretty soon, you, if you listen to this, you'll find that detectives and investigators are dealing with a whole bunch of other stuff other than the case. So people need to listen to that to get a real interesting perspective on that. What did you think of the next one with Chelsea Hayes? Tell us about that. Oh, Chelsea Hayes. That was the first one that we went out of town to do. Our other cases, the aforementioned, were all Lexington cases. And the one after the one I'm about to talk about was a Lexington case as well. But Chelsea Hayes, we went to Chattanooga. We interviewed Lieutenant Daniel Francis, who did an exceptional job with this case. He really was so involved in this case and still is involved with some of the family members. Chelsea Hayes was a 14-year-old young lady who was murdered. And sadly, the person who murdered her propped her up on his front porch. And she was observed by neighbors. And and the person who murdered her pretended to have no knowledge of her being on the porch or even knowing who she was. So that was a really sad case in that it was another very young victim uh, not that any of our victims, it isn't a sad case, but, you know, we had a 13-year-old and then we followed along with Chelsea Hayes, which was a 14-year-old victim. And Daniel just was exceptional in how he went through that case. I was so Im- impressed. Not that our other local detectives aren't great because they are, but Daniel, just the amount of heart and soul that he poured into that and mentoring siblings after this murder and I, I think he still today has contact with with the younger boys oh for sure and people have to turn in tune into that because again that's what we offer is that you're going to hear the emotional impact of what it's like to work these cases uh compared to what hollywood and tv have told you about the police it's completely different yeah i think hollywood leads you to believe that you work the case and it's done and you move on to the next one and while these men and ladies do have cases that pile on top of cases that pile on top of cases, it just isn't over for them when the case is solved. These these people, they they wear this on their sleeve. And a lot of these people who have dealt with this still, when you look back 20 years on these murders, they still 
uh, get emotional at talking about how hard it was seeing those victims and working that case and sleepless nights and how still even now those cases bother them. So it's not as Hollywood have you believe that it's just they're done and they move on to the next one. These men and ladies, they really, that sticks with them. Oh, obviously. Yeah, it, it never goes away. I can drive through town now and most of my landmarks are I can ride through and say, well, I remember going to a case here or a body was found here. It doesn't change. You know, after that, we did something that I thought was neat. It was the first of hopefully many like this, but we actually had a five-part miniseries on the murder of Indonesian-born Umi Southworth here in Lexington. And the treat on this was uh, bringing in more than one detective at a time, and we brought in three. And we had uh, retired uh, detective Chris Schoonover, which we have had before. We had uh, recently retired uh, detective uh, Bill Brislin. Uh, this was his first one, did a great. And we had a current uh, Lexington Police Lieutenant Dave Richardson on there. And what this delivered was, again, a lot of details about what it was like. But I'm going to tell you now, if people have not tuned in and downloaded these five, they need to because it really feels like you're in the homicide bay because you're going to hear these people talk and toss ideas around and remind each other about this. And and much to, to Bill's fate, they teased each other just as like real life, that humor that keeps them going on this. And you'll walk away from this thinking, poor Bill, poor Bill. Yeah, and this was a fun one. I know that these aren't supposed to be fun, but I'll, I'll tell you, sitting, sitting around the table with these three gentlemen, it was just fun. And there's a lot of outtakes that we didn't record and a lot of laughter. And, a, and it was just a real fun setting. And there were so many details, again, like our other cases, that the listeners get to hear that just blow your mind and and um and dave will go ahead and toot his horn on how how creative he was in in some things in this case to to retrieve some evidence and do some tracking on some stuff but that was a really fun five-part uh miniseries i right. enjoyed it, it again when people listen it, it's not the like we said it's not uh, the material itself isn't funny but there's a camaraderie among investigators that actually help them survive this. It's probably the my experience in almost 30 years, that was the tightest team I ever worked with when I was in homicide, and that didn't get repeated later. So definitely people have to hear that. Talking about bizarre cases, what's that next one we covered? Well, we went from five episodes in Umi Southworth to a five murder case worked by retired assistant Chief Fran Root. This was a two-part series on, uh, God, well, five murders, uh, done by two females, LaFonda Faye Foster and Tina Powell. And that was a busy night for Mr. Fran Root. Literally five people murdered in one night. It was a crazy case. A genuine killing spree. So definitely people need to pay attention to that. On the next one we covered, we got to uh, do another four-part miniseries on a gentleman I met when I was teaching out of, uh, out of Kentucky last year. It's very interesting, very rare. People have to listen to the, listen to this one to get the perspective. It's the murder of Bobby Jean Blacka in Kaiser, West Virginia. And the difference on this is that Bobby Jean, unfortunately, was addicted to drugs, opiates, heroin, and specifically, and died of his an overdose. But because of Bobby uh, McCone, who was the investigator in the case, because of his diligence, I think it was four people were charged with her murder. Yeah, they they were charged with her murder, and that was a first for us because that's a a hot topic, and I think you posed it to our listeners of if someone dies from an overdose, should the person that supplied that drugs be 
charged with that murder. And I think for the most part, most of our listeners that tuned in said, yes, they should. So this takes us a four-part series through that. And again, Bobby McCone, the retired detective who worked that, you know, that was his little hometown. And that's just a little spot on the maps, all that little place was. And, you know, talk about reliving that and having to live it driving through there, you know, in these teeny towns where he worked, not only was he the only officer that patrolled the streets, he was the homicide detective. He, crimes against children, he did it all. It was such a small, small department, but he had to see those people daily because that was his hometown. And, uh, you know, he arrested these people and charged them with her murder. And so that was a, that was a unique case too, just because of the sheer size of that little town he was from very rare those uh those are very difficult cases to make to uh to move that because you have the part of the volunteer aspect of using a, a drug like that but in this case he was very successful in, in getting people in prison for that then we wrapped up you talk about rare and interesting we wrapped up season two while we're talking tonight with a two-part series on the murder of clay nelson here in lexington kentucky in 1986 and uh bizarre uh, it it, 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 people really need to listen to this, both episodes, because this is a case and, uh, you know, it's out, but I'm not going to give it all away. I'm just going to tell you to listen to it because there's actually one of the most rare things you'll ever see is when the victim actually sends a message as Fran Root, who was the yes, assistant. Yes, our Fran Root came back again. Exactly. And and he did this. And as he said, the, the, the victim actually more or less testified from the grave. And I'm going to leave it at that. It, uh. But it's a it's a way to remember a, a guy named Clay Nelson, uh, also known as Pally from Richmond, Kentucky, which is a neighboring city from here, a, v- a very beloved man from Richmond, Kentucky. And uh, this is a way to, again, to to not let his memory die of, of who he was and, and that he mattered. Well, and the neat thing about this is we brought on the Lexington podcast, Erica and Jonathan again, and they set in with us on that and they got to talk to Fran and ask questions and it was kind of neat because they had had done an episode on Michael Turpin, which Fran worked. So it was really neat that they got to meet Fran. Um, I think that would have been kind of a neat thing, getting to meet somebody that you've talked about. It was almost like Fran was kind of a movie star. And well, Fran, if you're listening, we think you are anyway. So, uh, but that was a really neat case, manager of a restaurant. And, and as Fran said, he basically testified from the grave. And so that's a two-part series that you won't want to miss either. For sure. And Eric and Jonathan actually just just did great. I, I can't think of another way to put it, but very insightful, very intuitive. They took the case deep and uh, there was a good chemistry in the room. And that that kind of alludes me to what could be coming to that we're considering. And and so that's where we were on season one and two at if you haven't listened to any of those or all of them, then when you're done with this one, go through, go back on your app and hit that checkbox and download all of them and get caught up because it uh, you're going to meet people more and more that we repeat on these and you'll get an idea of how they present a case. And so coming up, starting with season three that will release in two weeks, is that what people can expect is there's going to be more fantastic cases from different locations, is that we are always procuring, just because you haven't seen them yet, we we have a huge queue of things coming out, more in Tennessee, some in Virginia, uh, Miami, Florida. Uh, I, I just got back from the Boston area, and I've got some interesting stuff that I think we're going to try to get an unsolved up there. So there's tons of cases and many more from here in our local area, obviously, because those are easy to get hold of. So they're on their way, too. We're also going to kind of venture into the world of the unsolved and uh, suspicious missing person cases coming up soon. 
Those are going to be interesting. Uh, hopefully we can move the ball forward on maybe getting information for these surviving families to clear these. But they're going to be an opportunity for family members to talk about who they lost or who's missing so that people can get that emotional connection with these people and remind everybody that we've got to get those cases laid down. We're also going to kind of mix in some other neat stuff, and you're going to have to listen to this to really get the full impact. We're going to continue to interview different people, though, as far as what their role is in the system and what it's like to do it. For example, prosecutors, defense attorneys, forensic specialists, medical examiners, people who have been jury members on murder trials, which is going to be interesting to hear the perspective, private investigators. I've, I've got a connection with a guy in this area that uh, is a former police officer up north, but he actually pro bono picks up these adult missing cases on things where we really believe that foul play is at hand with some people. Interesting guy. Uh, we'll do an introductory thing, and then he's going to take us through a bunch of these. And then I've got some uh, code case detective work coming up, too. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into some pretty good stuff, too. And coming back to our experience with Aaron Jonathan is I really want to work on opportunities for the listeners, whoever's interested, to maybe dial in and take part in producing one of these shows, which I think would be neat. So if you're a a true crime fanatic and you're a a murder police podcast uh, fan, we're going to start making some opportunities available if your schedule allows to work you into dialing in while we're doing an interview to feel free to ask some questions as you go through this listening to these investigators. And then lastly, Something that I've been working on for a while and we're going to finally get to happen this summer is uh, on our show notes, we're going to add show transcripts, which is a different way to do this, especially if somebody's hearing impaired or they want to go back and look and read along. But we're actually going to have dialogue transcripts loaded up, and that that'll be interesting to help people out, too. I'll tell you what, if people have ideas, suggestions or comments, Wendy, what's the best way for them to get hold of us? Well, they can email us at murderpolicepod at gmail.com. They also can reach out to us on our webpage and our social media platforms. Yeah, the webpage is murderpolicepodcast.com. Handy. It's got show notes. It's got whenever we release an episode, you'll see some graphics and some pictures from a case and whatever. Another thing, too, is that since we're going to move in this direction, if somebody has an unsolved case or a suspicious missing person case, we'd like to hear from you to start looking at the idea of maybe presenting that on the show. The one thing we'll need to do, though, for sure, is that when we do this is we have to have access to a uh, an assigned investigator. And, uh, and that's pretty easy to do. And, and we'll make sure that they're comfortable with coming on the air because we we're good about protecting the record and everything. But for sure, that's the whole premise of our show is people that do this work. So. Uh, that'll be something we're looking for, too. And the other thing, too, is that if you're listening to our episodes and you listen and you say, I knew that person or I, I went to high school with that person, give us a buzz, too. We'd like to maybe talk to you about if we can add anything more on these episodes and on especially on enhancing what these victims look like when they were alive. Because, again, we're we're all about victim advocacy. If we can leave a good memory with them, that'd be fantastic, too. And then last but not least is don't ever forget that we really appreciate when people talk to other people about our podcast and share it. That's been responsible for uh, the success that we've had to date. And keep in mind that if people go to Apple Podcasts and leave five stars and leave a a review that talks about uh, liking the show or whatever, just email us and let us know when you did it, and we will be happy to send you some of the Murder Police podcast swag that's always just limited availability right now. That's coffee mugs, pocket knives, notebooks, pens, things like that. As We've had 
a bunch of that stuff that we are really willing to express our gratitude for a good review on Apple and send to them. Yes. So please give us five stars if you love our show and a good review. And um, with that, thank you again for tuning in to our season one and our season two. And we are so excited about what season three is going to hold. Great things are coming. Take care. And again, thank you for the listenership. We appreciate it. The Murder Police Podcast is hosted by Wendy and David Lyons and was created to honor the lives of crime victims so their names are never forgotten. It is produced, recorded, and edited by David Lyons. The Murder Police Podcast can be found on your favorite Apple or Android podcast platform as well as at murderpolicepodcast.com, which is our website and has show notes for imagery and audio and video files related to the cases you're going to hear. We are also on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn, and YouTube, which has closed captions available for those that are hearing impaired. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe for more and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your podcast from. Subscribe to the Murder Police Podcast and set your player to automatically download new episodes so you get the new ones as soon as they drop. And please tell your friends. Lock it down, Judy.